Welcome to 35 West. My name is Margarita Seminario. I am a senior fellow and the deputy director of the Americas program at CSIS. Mexican, but government. are we ready? Oh, I don't reform trends in Argentina. Right. And that's what happened. No role at all in the NAFTA negotiation. On June 19, Colombians took to the polls to vote in the runoff presidential election that saw Gustavo Petro emerge as the winner. Petro's victory brings into power a dramatically different administration, accompanied by ambitious pronouncements and high hopes for the country's economic and social development. It also brings new levels of complexity in the U.S.-Colombia relations. Colombia is a vital strategic partner for the United States in the hemisphere, and the new government does not change this fact. Our guest today is Peter Natiello, the Senior Deputy Assistant Administrator for the LAC Bureau at the U.S. Agency for International Development. Peter joins us today to discuss USAID's work in Colombia. Peter, it's truly an honor to host you today. Thank you for joining us. It's an honor to be here, Margarita. Thanks so much for having me today. Peter, tell us about your career with USAID, your current responsibilities in the agency, and your background in Colombia, where I believe you served as mission director from 2012 to 2017? Yes, that's correct, uh, Margarita. Just a quick flyover of my career with USAID. I started in early 1992. I worked for five years uh, in Bolivia, then I moved on to South Africa, from South Africa, the early part of this century, I moved to, uh, to Ecuador. From Ecuador, I went back to Bolivia. I was from 2003 to 2009. After Bolivia, I was the USAID the senior advisor at the United States Special Operations Command in Tampa, Florida. So I worked two years side by side with our military colleagues. After that, I went to South Sudan for a year as the deputy mission director. From there, I did go to Colombia, as you mentioned, from 2012 to 2017. Uh, from there, I went to El Salvador, then to Afghanistan. And after Afghanistan, I came back to the United States. And I'm currently with the Latin America and Caribbean Bureau here at USAID in Washington. And I've been here since October 2020. And our job here in the Bureau is to, um, you know, to implement the administration's policies with respect to development, sustainable development in Latin America and the Caribbean. USAID is in uh, about 15 different countries around the region. And um, our, our work here is to ensure that we have the human and the financial resources to be able to carry out, again, the policies of the administration as they pertain to, to development in Latin America and the Caribbean. The United States and Colombia have a history of mutual respect and collaboration stretching back decades. Petra's election has prompted uncertainty in some areas, but others appear likely to keep going strong. Peter, may I please ask you to sketch a scene setter for us? What are the development challenges in Colombia? What does USAID's work in Colombia look like today? And how have development and cooperation priorities shifted since your time in Colombia? Well, thanks, Margarita, for that question. Let me just start by echoing the United States government's congratulations to the people of Colombia for making their voices heard in a free and fair presidential election. Uh, let me congratulate outgoing President Duque for the commitment he's demonstrated to a smooth transfer of power. And of course, uh, congratulations to President-elect Petro for his historic victory. Let me also say, just say how proud USAID is of our longstanding relationship with Colombia, our close partnership in pursuit of shared priorities for common progress, and the many development accomplishments we've achieved together. And thanks primarily really to the will, the resources, and the sacrifice 
of so many Colombians. In terms of development challenges, while Colombia has made really remarkable progress in the course of this century, it, it continues to grapple with inequality, insecurity, weak state presence, particularly in rural areas. I, I think it's fair to say that even after the accords uh, have been signed and are under implementation, there are still what we used to refer to when I was there, uh, there are still two Colombias. One Colombia is, is relatively urban and advanced, right? This is a 21st century country when you go to places like Bogota, Cali, Cartagena, Medellin, etc. These are powerful cities. But then there's another Colombia. It's rural. Uh, it's insecure. It's home to corrosive criminal economies, narco-trafficking, uh, legal mining, trafficking in persons, etc., uh, human rights violations. And really, it's that, it's that other Colombia that USAID has traditionally been, been focused on. I think it's fair to say as well that, you know, one of Colombia's challenges is, and it's a challenge that they stand up to and they work hard at, is to extend the writ of its strong democratic state, its innovative and successful economy, and the democratic citizenship one finds in urban Colombia. The challenge is really to extend that to the other Colombia. Peace accords really open the door for that to happen in a way that it's never happened before. In terms of how USAID's efforts have changed over time, I'd simply say that, you know, we've, we've used our foreign assistance across several different Colombian administrations uh, in ways that closely track Colombia's own trajectory from conflict to peace so that we're relevant to the moment and to the particular circumstances that Colombia is living at any given moment. We've adjusted our efforts over time, depending on the particularities of the moment, always seeking to help Colombia, again, move toward peace and justice, particularly in precarious rural areas. Just a few examples, Margarita. In 2004, for example, when 30,000 paramilitaries demobilized in the early part of this century, USAID was called upon to help Colombia develop, to quickly develop, what has become its world-class policies and programs to reintegrate ex-combatants. Fast forward to 2011, when the country officially recognized the toll the conflict had taken on millions of victims, millions of Colombian citizens. Uh, we responded with expert assistance to help Colombia develop and implement its groundbreaking victims and land restitution policy. Fast forward again to 2016, when Colombia finalized the historic peace agreements with the FARC, we were well-placed to move immediately to support its implementation in remote communities in far-flung municipalities. So these efforts and our responsiveness have really led to strong bonds of friendship and solidarity between USAID and so many Colombians, right? National and local leaders in the country, rural communities, private sector leaders, because the private sector has been an important partner uh, in terms of advancing peace and development in Colombia. And of course, you know, ordinary citizens around the country. You know, when I was in Colombia, I was so fortunate to be able to have worked from, you know, to Maco to La Guajira, right? And everywhere in between. And I got to know so many really um, remarkable people who were transforming their lives really with support from their own country and, of course, support from the United States through USAID. There's much more work to be done. USAID remains committed to continuing to work with Colombia as it continues to advance along this arduous path to peace. Uh, to the Petro government, USAID brings a strong track record of results, partnership, and commitment to shared priorities. 
Peter, give us some specifics. Share with us, please, some specific project highlights from the portfolio. Let's start with the Peace Accord implementation. Yeah, no, thanks, Margarita. Um, you know, again, USAID has been with Colombia really every step of the way as it formulated, negotiated, enacted, and implemented the peace accords. You know, we're committed to working with the Colombian government to, to support its ongoing efforts to implement the peace accord, particularly the accords rural development and ethnic chapters. Again, in that other Colombia, uh, some of the most, I think, consequential work that we've done to help advance the peace accords are just some really um, model efforts on land titling, on land restitution. We've been there every step of the way with um, what the Colombians call um, the Programas de Desarrollo con Enfoque Territorial. In English, that would be uh, the development programs with a territorial focus, right? And again, those territories is that other Colombia that I was referring to earlier. And those programs, they go by an acronym, forgive me for this, the acronym is PEDETS in Spanish. And again, Colombia has led the effort of bringing development to these rural areas through these pedets. This is a very participatory process where citizens identify their priorities, uh, citizens from you know, conflict-affected Colombia. They identify the things that they feel are most important for their own development. And then the state moves in with public investment to help citizens achieve that vision, right? USAID has been there every step of the way uh, supporting participatory planning processes, supporting early small infrastructure projects just to build trust with those communities. Those are just a few uh, important examples of how, we, how we've supported the peace process. We do believe that the peace accords offer the best opportunity for addressing, again, these historic root causes of Colombia's conflict, its inequality and underdevelopment. We do believe that the accords are the best hope and progress for that other Colombia. And that's why we've stood so closely with Colombia over the years on the implementation of the accords. Peter, what about the support for Afro-Colombian and indigenous communities? Yeah, that's another, I think, important example of our work in Colombia. And I think it's a really important shared priority with, uh, uh, with the incoming Petro government. You know, ethnic inclusion ha has been a top priority for USAID in Colombia for many, many years. That's because it's a top priority for the United States. The Congressional Black Caucus has been a real champion of generously mobilizing U.S. resources for Afro-Colombian and indigenous communities. USAID has had a long-standing relationship with Afro-Colombian indigenous communities, partnering with these groups really for close to two decades. Uh, and, and why is that, Margarita? That, that's because these groups have been uh, really the most disproportionately affected by the armed conflict. Thanks to this partnership, uh, ethnic minorities today have a much stronger voice and a much greater agency than they did a decade ago I'll just give you a quick example. Their stronger voice is, is evident in the peace accords, and particularly in the ethnic chapter. That chapter of the peace accords was spearheaded by committed leaders, Afro-Colombians and indigenous leaders, who USAID was proud to support in their efforts to advocate uh, for the inclusion of that chapter uh, in the accords, to successfully advocate for the inclusion of that chapter in the accords. And of course, we took very special note of the election of Francia Marquez as Colombia's vice president uh, and first uh, Afro-Colombian female vice president. She's one of many talented Afro-Colombian leaders that USAID has partnered over the years with as part of our work to advance social inclusion. So this is very close to us, and we feel um, just a special affinity to that part of President-elect Petro's agenda. What about human rights and social leaders? 
What has been done there? So again, that's another longstanding um, element of USAID's or component of USAID's work in Colombia. We've stood side by side with Colombia's brave social leaders for decades, working hard to ensure their safety and their dignity. Despite steady advances in Colombia's human rights over the past decade, however, attacks uh, against human rights and environmental defenders, unfortunately, uh, have, have risen considerably since 2016 and since the peace accords were signed. It's a serious concern for us. One might ask, what, why, why have these, if the, if the peace accord was signed, why has this violence against social leaders increased? Well, it's increased because in many rural areas in the country, the peace accords created the conditions for the FARC to lay down their arms and to step away. That left a vacuum, a power vacuum in many places. Uh, and that vacuum has been filled by vying criminal forces as, as they vie for territorial control. And as they do that, and as brave people speak up against that, they find themselves in harm's way. And that, that's one of the things that has led to uh, um, increased violence against social leaders uh, in those places. So USAID focuses on protecting social leaders and preventing violent attacks against them. And of course, reducing impunity for those, those crimes. Uh, amid COVID-19, we've seen, um, and, and we've, we've prioritized really, uh, reducing gender-based violence and the forced recruitment of minors into armed groups because we witnessed uh, an increase in those, those terrible phenomena as well. Women and young people really do have it particularly hard during pandemics. Peter, what about climate change in the portfolio? How are you tackling that? I'm glad you mentioned that because, as you know, uh, President-elect Petro has been uh, very focused on the issue of climate change and on protecting the Amazon. There's a lot I can say about, but let me just focus on USAID's pioneering work on tropical forest conservation uh, in Colombia. And, and, and I should also say that, Margarita, our work conserving tropical forests in Colombia really, really overlaps nicely with our social inclusion work. That's because if you work in Colombia's vast and incredibly rich and isolated tropical forests, you have to work with Afro-Colombian and indigenous communities as they inhabit these remarkable places. With USAID support, Colombia has developed a model for conserving tropical forests that includes developing valuable and forest-friendly products like acai, cacao, ecotourism, and then helping communities to sell the carbon credits captured in the standing forest, right, to investors looking to offset their carbon footprints. We've worked with 19 uh, Pacific Coast Afro-Colombian and indigenous communities, uh, and, and through that work and through the sale of those carbon credits, We've helped to generate about $26 million for community development investments for those isolated Afro-Colombian and indigenous communities. Colombia's forest conservation efforts are not only key to reducing carbon emissions for Colombia so that they can meet their Paris Accord goals, but it's also just a really incredible example for other countries to follow and uh, to adopt to protect their tropical forests. Tremendously timely topic, especially for Colombia. Peter, would you please share with us what USAID Colombia is doing to respond to the Venezuelan migration crisis? Yeah, absolutely. This is such an enormous issue for, for Colombia and, of course, for the entire region. Uh, and really, Colombia's granting of temporary protective status to close to 2 million Venezuelans was just such an extraordinary act of generosity and the United States is, is deeply grateful uh, for that act of generosity. When we saw that, our mission just moved with lightning speed 
to support Colombia's efforts to implement its temporary protective status effort for, for Venezuelan migrants. So w- with our support, Colombia has already pre-registered more than 1.8 million uh, Venezuelan migrants and approved temporary protective status for more than 450,000 migrants. Uh, now, as a result, these migrants can now access social services in Colombia and economic opportunities. They can find jobs, right? So, for instance, uh, over the over the course of the last year, USAID has uh, has has helped fifty thousand Venezuelan migrants enroll in the Colombian health system. We've also partnered with the private sector, particularly Colombia's powerful banking sector, to help private banks, microfinance institutions, move their own capital and their own financial services and their own lending power and to provide business training to thousands of Venezuelan migrants to help them start micro and small enterprises so that they can start a new life in Colombia with hope and with possibility. To date, we've provided job skills and services to um, close to 4,500 Venezuelan migrants in Colombia, and we've supported uh, over 1,200 entrepreneurs and micro enterprises and helped about 30,000 migrants to access financial services, again, from Colombia's own powerful microfinance sector. The peace accords present a tremendous opportunity for peace, stability, and prosperity in Colombia. The USAID CDCS first development objective states that the peace accord consolidates peace gains by creating a more cohesive and inclusive society, thereby mitigating the conditions that contribute to violence. Peter, can you share with us how this translates into actual programming, what are some of the effects to date? What is some of the mid to longer term impact? Yes, thanks, Margarita. So again, you know, we've been a partner to Colombia every step of the way in this peace process. Uh, USAID was there uh, in, in, in support of the negotiations. And of course, we continue there w- with support for their implementation. As you know, and as I'm sure as most of the listeners know, the, the, the Colombian peace process was born of the need to recognize and do right by the over 9 million victims of the Colombian conflict. USAID's work has been central to developing the legal framework for transitional justice and victims reparation. We've worked closely with victims groups around the country, assisting them to exercise their rights under that legal framework. Uh, We've supported uh, the institutions created through the Accords, the institutions to make reparations to victims. Here I'm referring to the victims unit, and the land restitution unit. Colombia has invested significantly in peace with its own resources, particularly in rural development, while USAID's peace investments are small compared to Colombia's own investments. We're recognized for the way in which our support unlocks those much larger Colombian resources for investment, again, in that historically forgotten and conflict-affected part of the nation. And we're recognized for their manner in which, with a relatively small amount of resources and expert technical assistance, we've enabled Colombia to innovate in its peace-building efforts. Just, you know, one example, Colombia has reintegrated tens of thousands of of ex-combatants over the years, going back to 2004. And they've done so really with mostly their own resources. But they would call in USAID at particular moments to help come up with innovative solutions to some of the more challenging uh, aspects of the reintegration process. For instance, partnering with the private sector, right? So when you want to create jobs for ex-combatants, you better have the private sector by your side. So 
USAID was key in, in, in helping the Colombian government come up with plans and approaches to engage hundreds of private sector companies to get them on board to help reintegrate ex-combatants. Why? Because reintegrating ex-combatants is not a government job. It's a society-wide job. You need everybody in society to participate in that. And USAID was key to helping the reintegration uh, agency of Colombia some years ago to be able to reach out and build bridges to the private sector and, and harness their job creation power to help uh, uh, ex-combatants find jobs and become you know, functioning, productive members of society. I should also say just that, that our assistance is tightly aligned with the Peace Accords, Rural Development and Ethnic Inclusion chapters. And that's because, you know, addressing the rural-urban divide is really the best path for Colombia out of violent conflict. And that's why USAID has just been so closely aligned with those aspects of the accord. As I mentioned earlier, USAID's firmly committed to advancing the implementation of the, uh, the accord's ethnic inclusion chapter recognizing that really full economic, political, and social participation of Afro-Colombians and indigenous peoples is key to lasting peace. And it's key to opportunities and justice for those, those communities. And it's key to not backslide into conflict into those, those areas. The recent election in Colombia promises a reset in the U.S.-Colombia relations. What priorities has the incoming government voice that may be avenues for closer cooperation? What are the challenges and opportunities of working with a new government in general? And how is USAID planning to address these and move forward with development cooperation under Pedro? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And that's, of course, the question that we're asking ourselves at USAID as we watch uh, this transfer of power from one government to another. And we have uh, seen in President-elect Petro expressions of, of full of support for the full implementation of the peace accords. We've certainly uh, heard his um, call for action on climate and for protecting the Amazon. His naming of Francia Marquez as his vice president is such a clear signal of his, uh, of his commitment, his stated commitment to inclusion of Afro-Colombian and indigenous groups. We hear that he is, we understand that he's committed to uh, continuing to support uh, integration of migrants into Colombia, uh, and of course, the economic, political, and social participation of young people. When we hear uh, those things, Margarita, we see ourselves, right? And we see over 20 years of longstanding uh, work and steadfast commitment, and we see the opportunity just to continue along the path that we've, we've walked for uh, decades with Colombia. And, and we are hopeful that there will be opportunities to deepen the impact of, of our work, to continue to support Colombia, and to continue this partnership that I think we're all proud of and that has produced, I think, again, some, some, some very significant results over the years. Peter, is there something that we did not cover, something else that you would like to highlight or, or add? Oh, thanks for that. I, I, I do want to just give a shout out to our great uh, USAID Colombia mission team, based in Bogota. It's really a fantastic group of people. And they're the folks that do the work that I was able to so proudly talk about on your podcast today. Uh, a very, very special thank you to our outgoing mission director, Larry Sachs, who has just had an extraordinary run, a five-year run in Colombia. He has done such an incredible job. Uh, he is such a fantastic mission director, and we're going to miss him. Uh, and we wish him well as he departs Bogota and heads to Washington for his next assignment. And I also want to give a very warm welcome to our incoming mission director, 
Anu Rajaraman. Anu is coming from Guatemala. She's another USA, Latin American, Caribbean star. She did a fantastic job in Guatemala. She served in Colombia previously. She knows the country well. And I have no doubt that Anu will continue to lead uh, with distinction from, from Bogota. So we're, we're, we're very excited about her arrival. Thanks for joining us in 35 West. We appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. For you, thank you again for joining. Stay tuned for the next episode of 35 West.